folks, welcome to another episode of Catch Up, the podcast about contemporary hip-hop that examines where hip-hop has been, where it's going, and where it is. I'm Jordan Suwami. And I'm James Rathbone. And we're back with another episode. Uh, today, we're going to do a history uh, of sorts and kind of discussing the impact and influence of one rap label. That label is Top Dog Entertainment, also known by the acronym TDE, the home of Kendrick Lamar, SZA, Isaiah Rashad, J-Rock, Schoolboy Q. Um, Absol. Absol. How could I forget about Absol? Yeah. So yeah. that's a stacked lineup of artists who have their own lanes. Yes. And it really, I think TDE is a great example of a label, a modern label that really, truly knows how to develop artists yeah. in a singular fashion. Yeah. And so that's what we're going to get into today. But before we do that, we just kind of like want to want to tell you about a few things that we we also have. Um, so we have an Instagram account, which you should follow if you're on the Instagram app. And I know you are. Yes, we've seen you. We actually use the data to find out about all of our listeners. And we know that you're on the, the Instagram. <laughs> that's not true. We haven't done that. But um, yeah, follow us. At, at, I, I liked your pictures. <laughs> that was me. <laughs> Oh no! Um, follow us at at Catch Up Podcast. Um, also, you can we have a, a playlist on Red Bull Music that's updated monthly on Spotify. So, if you go into Spotify, search Red Bull Music, click on their account, go to playlist, find the Boosie Fade playlist. We update it every month with the songs that we're enjoying the most in, in the lead up to our next Boosie Fade event. Mm-hmm. And yeah, you know, otherwise just listen rate subscribe tell a friend tell your family you know i've mentioned this before but feel free to plug uh headphones into your laptop and just leave us playing on itunes <laughs> you know just bo- boost those numbers a little bit for i don't us even know if that helps <laughs> it's worth a try jordan it's worth a try you're right you're right yeah all right let's set up that let's get into this episode So today what we want to do is we want to tell the story of TDE, Top Dog Entertainment, through five of their most significant releases. So we're going to talk about five major albums that are uh, released by TDE artists that really kind of helped establish what the label is known for now. Yeah. And before we get into that, we want to talk a bit about, to, to tell the story of why TDE is so different, we have to tell the story of how they met. So let's, ta- let's talk about that. Yeah. I mean, I... Rap has a, a really g- interesting history of uh, sort of hip hop focused labels. That's a bit, well, it's a bit of a troubled history. So, you know, going back to rap's earliest days, you have, I mean, you have like a Def Jam, which is, you know, a pretty good example, but it's a very generalized label for hip hop and R&B and, and so on and so forth. That's like maybe the happiest story, I would say, like clearly, mm-hmm. um, you I know, mean, up until last year. Which which part are you talking? Russell Simmons, right? And uh, and then Rick Rubin also maybe being all right, definitely being yeah, all right. yeah, definitely being all, all right. He do be making those bangers though. Yeah, it's <laughs> a thing though. I don't know. We'll yeah. talk about that another time. Yeah. <laughs> um. So uh, pretending that um we don't know this, what where the two founders of the label ended up. Yeah, exactly. And, and that like world history ended in 2016, and this is a simulation now. Uh, otherwise, like the the we've got Rap a Lot Records out of Houston. Great label. Mm, some trouble between trouble history. Trouble history. Artists that wanted to leave the label. I think also there's just like a general. There's a general arc for rap labels. It's yeah. like the even the hottest labels all 
rap labels fall at yes. some point. It's like because usually they're ba- either e- either if they're not like rap a lot, where they're kind of just constantly taking advantage of people, Cash Money Records, mm-hmm. another mm-hmm. big example, or Bad Boy, or you have the artist led example like uh, Rockefeller Records, No Limit. Well, even the subsidiaries of like uh, G Unit Records or something yeah, like yeah, that. Yeah. Um, most recent example, I think, or most common example we would think of this generation would probably be um, OVO. Yeah. The, the the smaller artists are kind of there to support the bigger artist. Mm-hmm. And the bigger artist makes money off of them. And it's, you know, there's a there's a old tale of exploitation going on there. Mm-hmm. And Top Dog's different. Top Dog is very different. I mean, Top Dog started out, it was one person, Anthony Top Dog Tithuf. He was a record producer in Compton, uh, he produced for like Tupac, I think, and otherwise sort of lived uh, life in the streets uh, until one day he really started to, he decided he wanted to pursue music. And the first artist he found was a, a young guy he'd heard about named J-Rock, who he had to chase down uh, to when he was getting a haircut because J-Rock was ducking him because he, I think J-Rock was a little scared of Top Dog based on his reputation. <laughs> <laughs> and... Uh, and so he like came and he was like, no, you, you should come rap. And and that day, J-Rock went to the studio with him. I think J-Rock was maybe a teenager at that point. Mm-hmm. Sounds uh, right. Um, yeah. And this was in, in 2005. Around the same time, through this guy whose nickname's Free, who's also one of the, the sort of heads of Top Dog Entertainment, the record label, uh, he came to top dog the person's house to fix his computer uh but he actually didn't really know that much about fixing computers he was just there to pitch him on this young rapper named kendrick lamar known at the time as kdot so they brought kdot in uh, to the studio and just had him rap and apparently kendrick just you know 17 year old kendrick just rapped for an hour straight <laughs> and like top dog had to pretend that he wasn't impressed <laughs> then was like oh yes but it's okay and that just made kendrick go harder seems, seems normal yeah exactly um not long after he f- ended up finding uh schoolboy q maybe the next year and he just started slowly developing them in 2007 j-rock had like his first hit and really the f- it was sort of a, a freak one-off hit, really. Mm-hmm. This is Blood Niggas? Uh, All My Life. Okay. All oh, my... that's right. Yeah. That's right. Oh, oh, my God. That song's great. Yeah. Let's listen to a little bit of All My Life by um i remember when i remember when this song came out uh, it was when Lil, it was at the time so little wayne's featured on it obviously uh-huh. and it was at the, at little wayne's peak and it was like kind of every time that little wayne verse like as you might have known from uh when we did our little wayne episode if you haven't heard it you should go back and listen to that uh 
I would go and listen to anything. Even any like Little Wayne could have b- been on like I don't know a Smash Mouth song, and I would have listened to it. <laughs> this might be fire. Yeah, it probably would have been, it, and it would have been. Yeah. yeah, that's the the hot streak that he was on. And I remember hearing this uh, this this song. I loved it. It was like it was one of the best of the of the era of incredible Little Wayne verses, like incredible music that he was a part of. Uh, and then the video came out, and they changed it. Will I Am was on it. And maybe that's going to be the version that's on Spotify. I'm not sure. The original version only had this anonymous person singing the hook. Turns out that person is Kendrick Lamar, hmm. which I which is crazy. It's Kendrick Lamar singing that hook. I almost don't believe it. Doesn't really sound like him, but that's <laughs> no. the story that they're sticking to. Wow, that's very interesting. Yeah, and I think that I mean, as these artists are kind of developing, it's very clear that there is, even through listening to Kendrick Lamar stuff and listening to Schoolboy Q and thinking about even just Kendrick and Schoolboy Q being on the same label. Mm-hmm. Because at some point, kind of J-Rock kind of like slipped to the background and Kendrick and Schoolboy Q were the two TDE artists that people were talking about yeah. around 2010. Yeah, yeah, 2010. Uh, around the time sec- yeah. Section, Section 80 came out. And I, their top dog in the, in the studio that they have has this poster board, which has the core traits necessary to become a rap star in his mind, which are kind of filtered through... It's a five-point plan that's kind of based around 50 cents rise. Mm-hmm. And those traits are charisma, substance, lyrics, uniqueness, and work ethic. And J-Rock said in the in the Fader story about uh, Black Hippie this in, in TDE in 2012, he's like, he's like it's a simpler motto, just make good music. Yeah. <laughs> you yeah. know? And you might think that's pretty basic. But I feel no, like... definitely not. What, what, especially in this era, the yeah. thing if you think about where there's a lot of... Uh, kind of filler you know data dumps as uh craig jenkins from new york magazine referred to culture to the migos album there's a lot there's a lot of data dumps there's a lot of like you know kind of machine gun approach shooting singlet sticks and just like getting music out there and getting those streaming numbers up but tde still retains this like this element of care and Mm -hmm. thoughtfulness to the way they still put out albums I mean, like, there might be some of the only artists who consistently put out cohesive projects that really speak to who they are as artists. So, I mean, yeah, uh, shortly after the J-Rock, that affair happened, basically what they felt, they were signed to Warner Brothers and managed to get out of that deal somehow after seeing J-Rock get mismanaged by doing things like putting unnecessarily Will I Am on on a record, Uh you know. Uh, and then they kind of went quiet for a few years. And during that time, they were just becoming really good at rapping. Kind of, I remember, I remember seeing Kendrick Lamar on Nah Right, and being like, "Why are rappers picking such boring names now?" You know, I was uh-huh. like, "It's not a way to stand out. This guy's not going to go anywhere." Nah Right, the the, the hip hop, it's the a legendary hip hop blog from the late two th- late aughts, early mid to late aughts. It by two thousand. 11 it was really done true, true yeah but it kind of in the smoking section two dope boys era now right if you know what any of those things are. yeah yeah shout out we, to anybody who we, we do yeah <laughs> we, to anybody who was ever on a blog yeah <laughs> um, internet 1.5 or yeah something. exactly yeah. um so so yeah and then i mean it's not to say the rest is history, but I well, I just love that origin story because it's kind of almost like the Dungeon Family or someone like that, mm-hmm. where it was like these artists got together, believed in themselves so much and like nurtured their artistry. They didn't just try and take like the quickest 
like check. They tried to like really be as strong as they could as artists. Truly, it's kind of like the artist development that people talk about not existing anymore mm-hmm. because it's like the artist development the way that the super major labels used to do it in the 80s and 90s where you kind of like work with an artist on developing mm-hmm. everything about them, like what they look like, what they sound like, how they express th- what they stand for and how they stand for certain things and don't do other things. Like these are these are all things that a lot of artists are having to figure out on their own now mm-hmm. because just the way that we consume music, the way that we look at artists, like people this is the whole this is the whole thing about industry in quotes industry plants and about artists being secretly signed to major labels Mm -hmm. it's that it's because the reason that even happens is because the labels know that the way that we consume music now is we need to be a fan of someone first and then see them get to the next level with a label if somebody kind of already comes pre-packaged with a label a major label behind them you are already kind of looking at them sideways because just it feels inauthentic or not organic yeah and i mean i think it's just kind of like people um people like need the access as early as possible we have we demand access of our stars and like i mean there's some people who've managed been talented enough like frank ocean to kind of be really uh, stingy with that access but you know he, he even he opened his instagram up last year so i mean the rules are ch- like changing you know it's true um so yeah i mean so 2007 is sort of when they had their little a little taste of fame but i mean it's one thing I, I was really interesting there's an article uh in where top dog and kendrick are interviewed kendrick says the first time he ever went to a concert was when he performed with j-rock it was the first time he'd ever been at like a live show wow and so that from that happening sort of in 2006 2007 to kind of 2011 basically so after that after all of that we there's kind of what we would call the black hippie era so we have we have these four incredibly strong rappers led by Kendrick Lamar, who was kind of the breakout star. But mm-hmm. I remember people feeling like maybe, you know, School by Q is going to be the bigger rapper. Maybe Absol is going to be the bigger rapper. J-Rock was still he's a bit more faded, I think, at that point. Like, uh-huh. he, he he had a great guest feature on Good Kid, Mad City, like a sort of yes, scene stealer. Yes, that's right. That's right. Um, but, you know, they just kind of became known as, like, these, like, four dudes who are all really top-notch rappers with four distinct personalities. Mm-hmm. D- distinct styles, with yeah. the, but similar kind of thoughtfulness artistically strong lyrics matter to them exactly all all very strong rappers so the first album we want to talk about is uh 2012 schoolboy q's habits and contradictions yeah life for me is just weed and bruise you the host block to you when your name is q am i overfaded hell yeah it's true turn a beat on any limit on what i can do see the top dog and heat but i'm a fuck the world i'm gonna be on till until god referrals sat me down i'm still trying to get higher he looked at me stupid when i took up the fire Meanwhile, my nigga drunk as fuck, a nigga fucked up, we all fucked up, y'all done fucked up, I brought low blood, let's go back to up, you niggas know what's up, too damn high, I can't stand myself, I love drunk and driving, man, I'm something else, heat on my side, you wanna walk in the milk, about to finish the pound. I, I love this record when it came out, I mean, I, I was, I, I was sort of almost at the hot take point of being like, School by Q is gonna be better than Kendrick, you know, I, I don't know that I really feel that now, but I... The point was, I re- I like this record basically as much as I like Good Kid, Mad City at the time. Uh-huh. You know, it's a really strong record. It, it, it There's kinda... some huge smashes on on yeah. this. There's a There He Go, which is, a, I think, the first real schoolboy Q song that I really heard. It's an amazing song. It's really great. Uh, we, uh, we maybe listen to that. Let's listen to a bit of There You Go. Yeah. 
Ain't got no jury on, still I'm shining hard. Ain't got no bodyguard, walking solo through the mall. Bitches and the hoes, now they see me, they like, there he go. They be like, there he go. School boy, like a motherfucking Seminole Here we go Off probation Probably go to Mexico Furthermore Can't find this in the store This shit ain't for the low Got my daughter swagging Like her motherfucking daddy though This was like A really exciting time For the new What became the new Face of hip hop mm-hmm. You know You had ASAP Rocky Working with Schoolboy Q You know Danny Brown's around Working yeah. with, It was just like A lot of like Interesting stuff going on yes, In, yes. in hip hop and Exactly Kind of like what what's the creation of the new faces of the of the genre yeah exactly you know this this record is just uh, it's just a very top to bottom very strong record um i mean it has 18 songs but in my head it doesn't feel like you know one of those like 18 song too long not not the streaming era 18 songs you know it's like Nightmare on Fig Street is great. Yes. Yeah. It's kind of like this record. I remember what the detail that he talks about selling Oxycontin yeah. in it. And I was like, I think we talked about that being like, you know, a rapper actually sells drugs when they don't say they're selling like a, a kilo of Coke. They're selling Oxycontin. Like, we're, we're selling what people are using in the community. Yeah. Now, <laughs> nothing, nothing glamorous yeah, about that. You that know? That's right. Um, it's, and it, you know, it was just kind of, I feel like this record really more so than good kid, Mad city almost, which will tie into some of the things we talk about later, but it really represented the excitement around black hippie at the time of mm-hmm. just these really versatile, strong rapping in a very, in kind of traditional sense, but also feeling very fresh and new. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Schoolboys, he's got like an aggressive sound, mm-hmm. but it's like, it also, there's, there's like a, there's a humor to him as yes, well. You absolutely. Know? Yeah. Um, yeah, it was it was just a really great way to introduce yourself as a as a character to the rap world. Yes. So, um, like obviously we were, we we all love Good Kid, Mad City. If you want to hear more about Good Kid, Mad City, we have a whole episode that you can go back and listen to. It. We're actually going to jump Kendrick Records to 2015 release of To Pimp a mm-hmm. Butterfly. All my life I has to fight, nigga. All's my life, ah, hard times like, yeah, bad trips like, yeah, Nazareth, I'm fucked up, homie, you fucked up, but if God got us, then we gon' be alright, nigga, we gon' be alright, nigga, we gon' be alright, we gon' be alright, do you hear me, do you feel me, we gon' be alright, nigga, we gon' be alright, huh, we gon' be alright, nigga, we gon' be alright, do you hear me, do you feel me, we gon' be alright, uh, and when I wake up, uh, to pimp a butterfly was I. It was sort of I feel like it was a watershed moment in hip hop a little bit. I mean, it was like people. It was a kind of album that was so artistically ambitious that it was like the you knew the president was listening to it because he was. <laughs> he was. That's true. I think that I think that in the future. Every presidential candidate, including Republicans, are going to have to say that they love this album. <laughs> That's what I think. Um, yeah. I think it was, it's just like a massive album. Just the, the influence of jazz and, you know, funk and just a lot of and soul and spoken word. Just a lot, a lot of the kind of the, you know, as was talked about a lot at the time, all of these different forms of black music through the history being fused into kind of the current dominant form of black music being hip hop was just so revolutionary in a, in a way of just like kind of 
by through audio showing people the through line of how all this music and thought is connected mm-hmm. and I, and i think making an album like that while also having massive singles like king kunta or like all, all right, right which became yeah. like the theme unofficial theme of uh, black lives matter at the time where they they'd say that at the um protests so they'd sing it together at protests it's true and like i mean to do something like that to make such an artistically ambitious album that's also commercially successful mm-hmm. and accessible to a wide range of people even though you're talking about very specific experiences yeah is the kind of massive magic trick that i don't know if any other artist can do on the same level well i mean and kind of i feel like there's the whole point that at other other artists would almost have to sneak a record out like this you know what i mean Mm -hmm. like something this ambitious this like kind of transgressive in certain ways Mm because there's like screaming on certain beginning of songs and just like long kind of skits with like moaning in the background and whatnot it would be like this is the kind of record that an, a label would hear and be like, "Oh no, oh no, we wanted <laughs> we wanted the more of the singles with the Drake and the whatnot, you know." Uh-huh, like, uh-huh. but instead, Top Dog seems to be an environment where this is actually the, what they want. You know, this is what the the label wants. This is what the collective wants their their them to put out. And it stands out more, and and it's just like this album. The influence of it was felt like immediately on a massive level. Mm-hmm. If the the album opens up with. Uh, a, a sample of a song by Boris Gardner uh, called Every Nigger is a Star. And that is also in the opening scene of Moonlight. Right. Yes, it's true. You know, yeah, and yeah, yeah. it's just like, and you just know that that one would not exist without the other. Yeah, like, it's true. You know, and like, so that it's like the level at which this album penetrated and perviated the culture is, yeah. it just cannot be overstated. It was a huge record, I think, in the jazz community as well. Like it was, it was taken very seriously by that community, which is also maybe coincidentally, maybe not prol- proliferated since with people like Kamasi Washington. That's right. That's right. Yeah. I, this is almost like I feel like that's the moment where Top Dog was really here. You know, yes. to me, like that. It's like they were a very cool label before that with some promising artists. Well, there's a lot of cool music at the time, but mm-hmm. this was like a timeless masterpiece, mm-hmm. you know? So what's the next album? Well, the next album is a, a much beloved record. You say you got a girl. How you want me? How you want me when you got a girl? A feeling is reckless of knowing itself is Knowing I'm desperate, getting on it. I remember seeing this uh, young woman's name on like an indie blog in like 2013 or 14. Uh-huh. Uh, her name's SZA. I seen her going to her SoundCloud and her having this sort of like airy vocals, like very like kind of of the time, but also very fresh. Mm-hmm. Um and frankly, there's a lot of people I'd see at SoundCloud in 2013, 14 and be like, oh, that's cool. Maybe I'll, I'll probably never hear of them again, but this is good for now. But so it turned out that in uh, at CMJ, which is a music kind of music festival mm-hmm. in New York in 2011, um, SZA had a friend who passed off her music to Top Dog. Coincidentally, I was interning at the theater then and shot an interview with Kendrick and I remember uh, the the 
the, my editor or the woman who was interviewing uh, him being like, I don't know really who this guy is and I don't know what to ask him. So I'm just going to ask him general questions. <laughs> <laughs> and like, you know, a few months later, he was like huge. But it's kind of funny to think that that was at that same week that they were that like they'd been flown in by the fader that Top Dog met uh, SZA. SZA. Wow. That's and, cool. Yeah. So she dropped a great record, if you haven't heard, in two thousand from 2014 called Z. But we're going to talk about Control, which is really, uh, was an instant classic. It was super her popular. Breakout album. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Interestingly, I also remember her kind of posting on social media that before this, she was kind of thinking about quitting music. Because it was taking a really long time between the release of Z and her next project. And at, during this time, her... She kind of amassed a big, a big, pretty sizable fan base. Mm-hmm. And people were really kind of thirsty for this album. And it kept getting pushed back to the point that I think some fans are worried that it was never going to be released. And SZA would allude to maybe quitting music and just like seemed like she had been like a little bit frustrated with the process, the rollout process of this album. Mm-hmm. And then when it was released, it was like, oh yeah, it's worth the wait. Yeah. Like I think that when dealing, I think that you know the, the one of the main through lines of, of with this label is the amount of thought and care put into each album for every artist mm-hmm. is really high, and you can actually tell in the quality of the music that's put out and like the way the projects are released. Yeah, absolutely, and that, and that's kind of the thing here. I feel like I, I it's like after for me like an album I'll always associate with the Boozy Fake Group because I feel like it came out and people were so personally invested mm-hmm. in it, and mm-hmm. I, I could see it so transparently there and honestly the group was like thousands of members fewer than it is yes. now yeah, when exactly. this album came out so yeah, yeah. If, it, if it had come out now like now i don't know what would happen i think it'd be it'd be the scissor the scissor group, group. yeah, yeah. Changed the name. um but yeah like i mean there's songs like the weekend share about you know kind of sharing a lover with someone or um, Love Galore, that which yeah, is a, it's my favorite song from the record. Tra- Maybe we should Travis Scott. Should we listen to Let's Love, listen to a little bit of Love Galore. Galore. Drew Barrymore, yeah. which Drew Barrymore has a little cameo in the music video. These are like all, all these songs are kind of, I, th- I say the titles, I look, I think about them again. And I'm like, these are all, I feel like each of these songs almost, at least the big ones from this album were like moments in themselves, mm-hmm. you know? And, and I feel like it's just also emblematic of what makes TDE so good is that like, there's a sense of like in, in music that there's like kind of artists that have like hits and then there are artists who are, have like kind of a small underground following that play intimate shows, you know, and are creative and, and, and artistic, but aren't necessarily going to give you something popular. Mm-hmm. But like this record was hugely popular, mm-hmm. you know, nominated for Grammys, which obviously, you know, used in TV show yeah, soundtracks. Like it's like TDE shows that what people actually want or what will always stand out is like supreme quality. You know, and giving, allowing artists to be who they should be, mm-hmm. you know? So, last year, 2018, uh, a massive 
massive movie was released that broke barriers and box office records. Uh, it is a Marvel Comics movie mm-hmm. called Black Panther. Yeah. I, you know, I was, I'm not really like a superhero movie guy. Like I don't really care about superheroes. Um, I won't make any jokes at their expense because we lose listeners. Everybody loves superheroes except me, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, I remember, so I wasn't really particularly excited about it. And then I remember the, this, the soundtrack came out and I just listened to it on repeat over and over and over again. And then I was excited about it. Because I, yeah. I finally, I understood that it wasn't just like a superhero movie. That's right. At some point, it was announced that Kendrick Lamar would be doing, would be executive producing the soundtrack <laughs> and essentially be in charge of putting it together and selecting the artists that'd be featured and, and, and all that. And he kind of put together this strange masterpiece of an album. Yeah. Uh, it's just, uh, it has like some usual suspects, people you'd expect, like obviously like Schoolboy Q, J Rock, people from TDE. But it's. I think what's really interesting is how he brings other people into this big tent. Like Northern you, California artists. You got uh, Sob uh, Rbe. So, and this is like this was their breakout moment is getting mm-hmm. featured on the song. They were kind of burgeoning in the in the in the California area yeah, for a while though. For a while, like two thousand. I think I first heard about them in two thousand thirteen or fourteen. Wow. Yeah. And then having them on this album where they have this great song called Paramatic. It was kind of their breakout moment. Absolutely. Uh, let's actually listen to Paramedic right now. Hey, they better call a paramedic in the street. I got leverage in the street. I'm a California nigga and I'm heavy in the streets. 22 or 23, I'm heavy with the heat. Hit you with the top, paramedic can't save you. Really in the field, come on, bro, I know that ain't you. 2018, hell no, I ain't gonna fade you. Go paint you. TDE and SOB, we can't lose. Nigga, bitch made, that's just something I can relate to. Turn on the gang, that's just something that I can't do. But I also think that, like, I think in general, this also just shows what why Kendrick is such a a great figure in rap. But I think mm-hmm. I think of, I mean, if you think about like the top of rap, the top rappers, they kind of and the top rappers on, uh, that I'll list in terms of being like commercially and critically successful for the mm-hmm. most part. If you think about J. Cole, Drake, and Kendrick, mm-hmm. they all are very welcoming to other artists. Yeah. You know? Yeah, yeah. And like Kendrick Lamar, I like on I think it's the Tibimpa Butterfly Tour, but he brought Travis Scott with him on on tour. Yeah. And it's like even making that choice where you know there's a portion of Kendrick's fan base which would be like, Why are you why are you going on tour with this guy? Yeah. He makes dumb songs, but I think Kendrick also understands that like everyone has their own role to play in hip hop mm-hmm. and one is not inherently more valuable than others. Well, maybe he doesn't think that, but you yeah, know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, yeah. But it's just like that you that you could all kind of coexist and there doesn't have to be the kind of, you know, a- aesthetic segregation that maybe would have happened in rap 15, 20, 25 years ago. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, if you think about it, like, 
Tupac, who was probably the last biggest rapper from California, subsequent to Kendrick, really, because Kendrick's much bigger than the game ever was. Of course, of course. Not, like, even, close. not even close. Yeah. You know, Tupac took on the world. I mean, especially the East Coast. But like, mm-hmm. even like, you know, he was, there was rumors at the end of his, his towards the end of his time at death row that he was sort of taking shots at Dr. Dre, mm-hmm. you know, that it was like, there was a lot of scorched earth around Tupac, mm-hmm. you know, um, mm-hmm. and he was, and he was huge. Whereas like Kendrick is unified sort of California. Not only does he have SOBRB as Mozzie on here, he's got some totally unheard of people from uh-huh. previous to this. Like um, he's got uh, Reason, who is a newer TDE signee. TDE signee. Um, he's got well Zakari, who's another Z- Z- uh, TDE, TDE signee. Artist. No, he's someone who's happy to give the, the spotlight to someone else. Um, and it was just like to me, there and was, the album sounded cohesive. I love this record. I yeah. think it's it's so so good. Got Vince Staples on here. Yeah, Anderson Park. Yeah, like James Blake. It's it's just like um, like two chains. Like to me, there was something about this moment in culture where a Disney movie had like essentially imbo- like a soundtrack by an artist whose last record before this was like or damn and to pimp a butterfly like Disney mm-hmm. somehow like TDE and Kendrick had managed to get to this place culturally where like those the, the executives of like a 200 million dollar movie were like yeah that makes sense uh-huh uh-huh uh, to me that's mind-blowing it is mind-blowing and I think also another mind-blowing thing is how this album essentially revived or gave a new birth to the first TDE signee's career, yes. and that's J Rock. Yeah, because J Rock is featured on this side uh, of uh, this the biggest single, I think, the biggest single Titanic collaboration between Kendrick Lamar and Future song called "King's Dead," which from the from the very beginning was just a breakout hit. Yeah, absolutely, and is a perennial Boosie Fade the Party classic jam. Yes, absolutely, and, and I think it always will be. Yeah, you know? this is if this really feels. I mean, we're only two years out, so it's a little soon to say, but I really feel like this song is only a time. one year out. It's one Yeah, sorry. Wow, you're right. It's only one year out, but this is like, this feels timeless. This yeah. song feels like a timeless jam. It feels like this song bangs now, and I feel like in three years, it's going to bang, five years, it's going to bang, 10 years, it's going to bang. Yeah. This, yeah, it's a great single, great video also. Um, right. It Yeah, it, but it led, it, it was one of the things that was nice about it. It was, this was J Rock's single. And mm-hmm. J Rock, the artist, he he had he'd had some standout moments. He's had some really great features over the years. Uh, as I mentioned, Money Trees on uh, Good Kid, Mad City. He has some nice features on like YG's record or on like Schoolboy Q records. But he being his other music had his solo music had been a little underwhelming mm-hmm. um, until he puts out Redemption last summer, which is a great record. The devil thought he had me. I was on back burners. Moonwalking fast, y'all respect my journey. Evil tapping in like the feds is watching. No album, no dope. I was all out of options. I'd rather rob than get a job. Don't insult me. Remember, it was Nixon Dimes in 03. I was doing bad, so I took your bag. Tables turned, lessons learned. Karma come back fast. Flipped off that bitch, Millie rocking the wheel. 200,000 in the bank, straight to hospital bills. Mama still got the shakes, praying I'm all right. Dreams of enemies in the lobby when they hit You know, the it's sort of everything we want from a TDE release. It's sophisticated. 
it's cohesive. It's got some party jams on it. Yeah, it's got some introspective jams, some tough talk. It's got it's I don't know, it's a great great album. And just the fact, if you think back, it's been it would have been thirteen years to the day that Top Dog chased down J Rock while he was getting a haircut, and had him dropped by Warner Brothers basically, or or mm-hmm. Warner Brothers flopped his release, had him release some kind of middling projects in between mm-hmm. and stuck with him until 2018 when he has a huge song with King's dead and a, a, an amazing, well-reviewed, very popular, acclaimed, acclaimed that brings him a huge new audience. Mm-hmm. And he's now gone from being basically someone who was kind of doing backup vocals for Kendrick more or less on tour to headlining his own tour. If that's what I feel like is so special about top dog. It's true. And we haven't even talked about, you know, Isaiah Rashad yes. uh, or Absol, Absol, who both have had pretty strong careers. Absolutely. And 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 careers that I feel like if they were solo or if they were on an, a big label would have been pushed into a corner at some right. point. And they right. would we would never, ever hear from them again. And it's not. And like I would if you told me that both or either of them had their best work ahead of them. 100% agree you. I agree. I'm I, I'm like I'm looking forward to when both of them return because I feel like they'll be entering a new landscape in hip hop and TDE and I'm just excited for what they're going to create. There I I I don't know if there's ever been anything like this in hip hop before. I don't think there has. I I you know somebody recently asked in the Boosie Fade Facebook group they're like what label treats their artists the best. And for a while there wasn't really any reasonable answers they were mostly joke answers mm-hmm. and then somebody said tde and they got a bunch of likes and was like oh yeah that's the obvious answer that yeah. is the label you know yeah. i don't think anyone's ghostwriting for kendrick and i think the fact that that isn't a part of it just mean makes it so much healthier mm-hmm. because there isn't the hierarchy and there's the expectation that artists are going to have their own lives and it's all going to be profitable it's like kind of what we want out of like our employers i, I think you know like this <laughs> uh-huh. is like when i like there's something really just like inspiring to me about this from an organizational standpoint and as like a person, your own personal ambition that it's like, if you just stick to what you want to do, stick to your principles, like there is no ceiling on your success. Damn. Yeah. That's a good place to end. Yeah, it is. And that's this week's episode of Catch Up. Thank you for taking this journey with us through TDE's history. Yeah. Um, just go back and listen to some of the artists in their catalog. There's a lot of good stuff there. Yeah. And if you're listening to this in the week in which it's released, uh, we have a Boosie Fade party this week. It is at the Baby G. It's on Friday night. Baby <laughs> G's at Dundas and Brock. Um, be there. You should be there. Our be. last party there was Amazing. incredible. Yeah. It was absolutely incredible. It's it's I, I, if you've never been, you owe it to yourself. That's true. And if you've never been to a Boosie Fade party, what are you doing? Yeah, just get just get there. If you it really is as good as we, as everyone says it is. And there's like, it's so inclusive and yet cool. There's nothing else like that. Yes, that's wow. <laughs> Damn. I mean, and if you're worried about you're not going to know anyone there, honestly, hit us up. Yeah, we will introduce you to people. You will know plenty of people. There. Yeah, you will come away with a family at the end of the night. <laughs> Basically. Um, All right. So thank you very much for listening to this episode. We will talk to you next week. So stay safe.